Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. I hope you're excited to hear what God says about us. Amen? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. You sure? All right. If you're watching online, welcome to Transform Church. We're glad that you're watching with us, and we hope that you can continue to connect with us. And for all you guys here, I'm so happy and so privileged to be with you guys this morning. It's an honor to speak to you. So today I want to speak to you, as you heard probably last week, speaking on the topic of good ground. Everyone say good ground. Now, I start off with a question. Have you ever been on a road trip? Right? Family road trip, let's pack things into the car, we're going off on a little camping trip, or we're going to a destination, to a motel, wherever, or we're driving down to Sydney. If you've ever driven a trip, if you're watching online, tell us where you drove to, you know. And the exciting part is planning this trip, getting together, planning things, packing up the car, you know, the anticipation, the excitement of getting prepared to go on this journey because, you know, you haven't had time with your family or you're anticipating time or maybe you're not because, you know, sometimes people don't want to spend time, but hopefully you're looking forward to this trip, right? And so family trips can be great fun because you're going and spending time together. But as you travel on this journey, and if you've traveled with kids at any point in your life, What's the question they ask? Are we there yet? <laughs> that, that's it, right? Everyone knows this. It's like, are we there yet? And insistently over and over, and hopefully these days they just throw them an iPad or phone and, you know, it keeps them company. But back in the day, they didn't have anything to do. There was no TVs on the back of the car. So the question was, every 10 minutes, are we there yet? And it's interesting, right? Because they know they're getting to a destination. You know you're getting to a destination. And the question is, are we there yet? Life is like that, isn't it? All of us are on a journey. All of us are going somewhere. And so sometimes we ask God this question, am I there yet? Because we feel like we're not where we're supposed to be. Sometimes we're going through a whole difficult situation in our lives, and our families. The stress of the pressure of this world kind of caves in a little bit on us. And, and we're wondering, God, when are we going to get through this? Am I to my place yet? And when am I going to get through this? Journeys, as exciting as they may be, are often difficult places because we have to go somewhere. And if you're the type of person that drives, you know, I often drive because Chanel doesn't want to drive. <laughs> and so I end up doing the driving for the majority of the trip, actually the entirety of the trip, not majority of the trip, right? And so when you're on a trip, there's two type of people. The first guys are the ones, let's get there as fast as humanly possible, right? We're just going to drive like maniacs, you know. The speed limit is like, the red's right there on the speed limit. We just want to get there as fast as possible. And there's other type of people that are, hey, we're just going to take it easy. We're going to enjoy the journey. We're going to take some time. We can enjoy the sights and get there. So regardless of how you choose to take your journey, the point is we're all getting to a destination. As a driver, let me tell you, I look forward to getting to my destination because when I get there, 
I'm not looking forward to doing anything. I'm looking forward to just relaxing. Right? That's my rest period, you know. Uh, when you have kids with you, they're like, oh, they jump out of the car, they're excited. Like, let's run to the pool, let's run to the beach, let's do this, let's do that. And most parents are like, you know what, we're just tired, we just want to rest. You guys run off and do what you're doing. Isn't that true? Most of you are tired. Talking about journeys, you know, I have to tell you this. One of the longest journeys that I've ever taken in my life was flying from Toronto, Canada to Melbourne, Australia. That's a long journey because you leave Toronto and you fly six hours to Los Angeles, right? Then you change to our flight. Then you fly 24 hours to Sydney and 17 to 24, depending on what route the plane takes. And you're thinking, hold on, is there enough fuel in this plane (laughs) to get us to our destination? That's the first thing, because you're flying for a long time. Let me tell you, you watch a movie, you fall asleep, you get up, you watch another movie, you fall asleep, you get up, and you look at the little map thing, and it's like almost halfway. (laughs) Like, did we even move? (laughs) Like, what's going on here? Because it seems so long, right? And then when you finally get to your destination, you're exhausted. You're not excited because you're just tired from the journey. And sometimes life feels like that, right? When you're doing things over and over again, when you're going through the monotony of daily activities, the same workplace, the same people, the same thing you do every single day, it feels exhausting. And what should be rewarding and what should be something of a, of a place that you feel regenerated from coming home, you come home and you feel exhausted. You can't deal with the people that are in your life that you love and care about. You don't have time for them anymore because you're exhausted from doing the journey. It's just tiring. And so you begin to think, well, what is life actually? What is life really? Because I'm just going to work. I'm just doing the same thing. I'm coming back. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. What is the point of all of this thing? What is the point of this? See, life sometimes gets exhausting from all of the daily stresses that you go through. And no one's immune from this. No one's exempt from it. But how do we encounter God? How do we encounter life? How do we encounter each other in the middle of our journey? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Because sometimes the journey puts so much stress on us that we disconnect from what's important in life. We disconnect from the priority of our life because we get so involved in the activity of life. We don't stop and understand the significance of life. I want to share with you one of the songs that come from Scripture. And it's a song of victory, but it's also a song of a journey. It's a journey that one man went through from the time that he encountered or received an encouragement to the place he ended up in. And of course, I'm speaking about David, who has written perhaps most of the Psalms. And the Psalms, if you did not know what Psalms are, they're the songs that were sung by musicians. And so David was a king, ultimately, but he was also a shepherd, and he was also a great psalmist, which means he was a great songwriter. And so he writes this song to celebrate God's victory in his life but in the song it contains the pain of the journey 
And I think most of us can identify with what David is saying because he experienced human emotion, the daily activity, the grind of everyday life that all of us go through that are not immune to. And so David, if you didn't know David, David was the second king of Israel. He took over from this guy named Saul. And, and David, you know, David was not in line to be the king because he was just a little shepherd boy in the middle of nowhere. He was content and happy to take care of sheep. In fact, in a world where bloodlines and kingdoms are passed from, you know, son and father, father to son, he was not in line to be anything. He was just in line to be a shepherd because that's what his father was. That's what his grandfather was. He was in line to just take care of sheep. But David was chosen by God out of obscurity to become a king in Israel. And it was not what he was supposed to do. God picked him to be the next king. Now, speaking from David's perspective, this would have been exciting, right? Wow, I get to be king. How exciting is that? My father wasn't king. My brothers aren't king. You know, they're not lords of anything. If I'm king of anything, it's probably a few sheep. <laughs> Maybe he practiced, you know, telling the sheep what to do. But he was a shepherd. Imagine he was a young teenager, probably 13 years old. Imagine being told that you're going to be the next king of Israel. You're going from taking care of a sheep to taking care of a country. You're going from taking care of these dirty old sheep to leading people in battle and fighting with enemies. And as a, as a young boy, we all have fantasies. You know, when you were a kid, did you ever have a fantasy? Like to be an astronaut or to be this and to be a race car driver. And I'm sure David, when he heard that he was anointed to be king, had all of these wonderful fantasies and, you know, imaginations of what he would do by sitting in his armor. Like, I'm going to have the most shiniest armor, you know, I'm going to have this nice red cloak. I'm going to be sitting in my huge shiny palace, in my wonderful throne. It's going to be great. People are going to bring me stuff. I don't have to take care of any smelly sheep, you know. People will be taking care of me. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. I'm sure that's what he thought. As any kid would, being told that you're going from a shepherd to drooling. And so David begins to write this psalm from his experience after he goes through his journey. And if David was standing here today and speaking to us, in fact, he's speaking to us right now through the psalm, he would remind us of something amazing. Because, you know, David's journey was not easy. He didn't just go, you're anointed to be king, and the next day he ended up in a palace. He went through tremendous heartache, pain, struggle, frustrations. He was hunted down. He was ostracized. He was put apart. And so, it was not a smooth journey from being a shepherd to king. There were ups and downs, there were twists and turns, there was lows and highs. And so when David pens this song about the journey of his life, I find it so fascinating and so interesting that he doesn't start with the pain. He doesn't start with the grind. He doesn't start with the heartache. He starts with the victory. He starts by saying who God 
is. And I think he does that to remind us that the journey is going to be difficult, but God is for us. That God is with us. Because sometimes we forget in the daily activities of life that God is present. But you think, where is God? You know, I have to do this job. I'm stressed out. My boss is on my back. I'm, these kids are screaming. I have to pay these bills. Where is God? We forget that He's present. That God is actually for us. We might not feel Him. We might not sense Him. But regardless of our senses, God is for us. He's right there with us. We often don't have that perspective, especially faced with the arduous task of doing things in a monotonous fashion over and over again. And I think that's why David chooses to start the song with a reminder of who is with us on our journey. And so in Psalm 18, he starts this way. I love you, Lord. My strength. The Lord is my rock my fortress, and my deliverer. And my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He mentions that God is his help. He says it over and over again. In fact, twice he says, the Lord is my rock. And then he says, the Lord is my stronghold. You know, a rock is something that's solid, that you can stand on, that you can rely on, that you can put your foot on. You know it's not going to be unstable. It's going to be stable. It's strong enough to hold. And he says, the Lord is my rock. And then he says, he uses terms of protection and strength. And a a stronghold is something that's a fortress, that's not easily impenetrable, that is strong enough that you can withstand the onslaught of, of something that's coming on the outside is enemies or waves or strong, anything. You know, if you have strongholds, if you've seen pictures of, of castles by mighty fortresses, by huge waves crashing over them, it's a stronghold. Right at the start, he starts with important information. It's a reminder, it's a reassurance. Why? Because of what's coming next. He wants us to know right up front That God is our stronghold. That He is our victory. That He is our strength. And no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, God is going to be there with us. Because here's the thing. He's speaking, not from just some logic, but He's speaking from experience. He's speaking from what He went through in His own life, through the arduous journey of His situation. Because here's the truth. God is our anchor. And for all of us that are Jesus followers, our Christ followers, we understand that we have Jesus in our life. But oftentimes He's shelved. He's put on a shelf. And we run to Him when we think we need Him. He isn't part of our daily activity. Right? Speaking to you, you quit quiet. But as Christ followers, we're not immune from the journey. We're not immune from the things that come into our life. God doesn't supernaturally extract us from problems. No, He comes into the problems with us. That's the difference. We can have Him. And so, if you know anything about David, he wrote one of the most famous Psalms. Do you remember what it was? Psalm 23. 
And what does he speak about that? He says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. What does he say next? The Lord is with me. He shall never leave me or forsake me. His rod, his staff is with me. Oftentimes we think that when we come to God, that God just removes our problems. But he's not removing our problems because we live in a world of infinite problems. But he comes in to help us through our problems. So we can lean on him in difficult things. You see, journeys are interesting things because it's always in transition. You're moving from one place to the next. Have you ever been on a journey? Maybe you've moved in your life. Maybe you've moved jobs. That's a journey. You're going from an old job to a new job. Maybe you've moved cities. Maybe you've gone somewhere, moved houses. All of us have moved from one place to another. From one city to another, perhaps. Sometimes we're leaving a situation that might not be good for us and going to a different situation. Sometimes we move from marriages because the marriage didn't work out and we transition to somewhere else. Transitions are hard. Change is difficult. Because you always have to leave something behind. Right? If you're going to a new job, maybe you had friends at your past job that you liked, but now you've moved on. Maybe you're moving neighborhoods and you had great neighbors, but now you're moving on. Maybe you're moving from a city where your family used to be to go to get a job at somewhere else and you're moving somewhere else. Maybe you're moving, as I said, from a marriage and it's broken and caused you a lot of pain. But you're always moving from something to something else. You have to let something go in order to get something new. There are many times you've chosen to move because you get a better job, a better house, a better opportunity. But there's times in your life that you've been forced to move. Where they fired you. Where you've lost a loved one. Where you've gone through a marriage problem. You've gone through a relationship and lost a friend. Those moves and that transition does not feel good. They're forced into our life. And so often, we have bad feelings and bad memories from it. And the journey doesn't become easier, it becomes harder. It becomes difficult. You know, I don't like motorcycles. I don't think they're great for safety reasons. But my dad, he loves motorcycles. He's had one a lot of times. My mother forced him to sell the last one, <laughs> not out of choice, <laughs> so he had to. But I don't think they're great, but I, I, I tried going on them a couple of times, and he's given me a ride for uh, a couple of times, you know. I don't enjoy driving on a motorcycle. I don't enjoy riding on a motorcycle. It's too open. It's too vulnerable, you know. <laughs> it's like anything can happen. There's no little thin sheet of metal that perceives that you're protected like a car. Like that glass is going to protect me for sure <laughs> if anything happens, you know. The illusion of protection. But in a, in a motorbike, you don't have any of that stuff. And oftentimes, when you're riding on a motorcycle, you are not the driver and you don't have control of where it's going anyway. 
But I remember driving, you know, riding rather on this motorcycle as he was driving. And, you know, the scariest part of riding on the motorcycle is the turns. The twists and the turns. Because when you're going into a turn, you actually feel like you're about to fall off. And the natural instinct of anyone is not to fall onto the road and kill themselves. It's to try to right themselves. But your natural instinct in a turn is deceiving because when you try to straighten up into a turn, you actually can cause the motorcycle to have an accident. The natural instinct is to lean into the turn. You see, transitions are turns in our life. If we don't lean into them, we don't ride them smoothly through. A transition is not something easy because we want to fight this turn. We want to straighten up. We want to do this right. We don't want to lean in and feel like we're almost giving up and falling over. We want to be able to be able to say, I'm okay, I'm safe. See, it's not, there's no problem driving or riding on a motorbike when it's straight. The road's straight. Everything's fine. This journey is great. There's nothing around. You know, you're enjoying this ride. But when it comes to a turn and you feel like your momentum is pushing you in the opposite direction and you want to straighten up, but you're about to fall, that's the problem because you want to take control. You want to stand up. You want to say, no, 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 I don't want to fall over. I want to be in control. But here's the thing. You have to lean into the turn Because that's what's going to take you through. So often in life, when we get to the twists and turns of our life, we don't want to lean in. Because it's not natural to surrender in a moment of weakness. It's natural to be strong. It's natural to stand up and say, you know, no, I got this. I know how to take care of this. I've got control of this. When stress comes into our marriage... When we feel like this marriage was a good marriage and things were going great, but now I hate her or I hate him, it's easy to give up because you don't want to be in this. You don't want to lean into this anymore. You don't want to bend in. Because to lean in is not natural when someone is talking bad about you. It's not natural when you're at a job, when your coworkers are putting you down and your boss is telling you off to lean in a little bit more. You just want to quit and check out. It's not natural when you're in any kind of relationship to lean into it when it's getting difficult. You want to check out. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's when life gets hard, when life gets difficult, we begin to question and ask, how can I extract myself? And you know what our prayers? God, get me out of this. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be in this relationship. I don't want to be at this job. The same job that you were thanking God for when you got and giving God praise and I have a testimony. God gave me a job. The same job. Now you don't want it. The same relationship that you prayed for and begged for, now you don't want it. When it gets hard, you don't want to lean in because the turns is what brings the stress. You don't want to lean into it. Life has twists and turns. It's not the straightaways that causes the stress. It's the turns, the unexpected events that bring pressure in our life. You see, it's the turns, however, 
that will determine how successful your journey is. It's not the straightaways. It's not when everything is going good. It's when things feel like they're about to fall over. What do you do in that place? Do you push against it or do you lean into the turn? You see, pushing against it will end in disaster, but leaning in will take you through it. So do you check out on God or do you lean in closer when you go through stress in your life? Do you lean into the turn and let the driver take you through smoothly? Or do you surrender and say, God, I can't deal with this anymore? I remind you, it is the stresses, the pressure, the turns and the twists in our world that take us and make us lean into God more. It's not the good times. It's the bad times when we need Him most. And that's why David said, God is my rock and my fortress. He is my defender. He's going to be there. He reminds us right before he gets into trouble. And so David is speaking from this place of experience. And if you know anything about David, he was not chosen by the king to be the next king. He was chosen by God. He was in content. He was content to be a little sheep. He had no other place in his life. He was fine being a shepherd. He didn't choose to be a king. God chose him to be a king. And he stood up. Sometimes we didn't ask for something to come into our life, but it arrived anyway. Maybe you didn't ask for God's promise in your life. Maybe someone spoke a word of encouragement to you and said, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But things didn't get better from there. They got worse. And you're thinking, well, what happened now, God? You told me that my life is going to turn out well. You told me that things are going to work out. You told me that I'm going to have a great future. But why does it feel like I'm in this stress and in this pain? And why am I going through all this heartache and all of this stress? Why? David... When he said was anointed to be king, as I said before, he would have been happy. But what happened next was that he was hunted down. Saul, the king of Israel, hated him. He hunted him down. He was an outcast. He was, you know, he was a reprobate. He was running around from place to place, not knowing who to trust, who to turn to, what to do. He was living in caves. He had to do things, run from place to place, because he never knew where Saul's assassins would find him and kill him. He didn't have a great time. For years, David was on the run, running from what God had told him he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be sitting in a palace, but he was living in a cave. He was supposed to dress in royal robes, but he was dressed in rags, running from place to place. This is not the promise that God spoke to me. Why do I have to go through this? David had to run for his life. Where's the shiny palace now? And this is what he says as he continues in his psalm in verse 18, verses 4 and 6. He says this, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of grave called around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He reminds us at the start that God is our focus. 
But then he opens up his heart and tells us, I've been in pain. I've been in distress. It felt like death had coiled around me and I had no escape. It feels like the snares of death just confronted me. In my distress, in my pain, he says, I can still call. And here's the most amazing thing. No matter where you are in life, no matter how much you're going through your pain and your sorrow, God always hears your cry because he says, the Lord heard my cry. The Lord hears your pain. He's not immune from you. He's not saying to you, you know what? You go through your drama alone. You go through your stress alone. And I'm just going to stay up here and not worry about you. No, he hears our pain. He feels our pain. That's why David could speak from this place of, of experience and says, surely the Lord is with me even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death. Even when death is coiled around me and the snare of death is trying to snare me and kill me, my Lord is with me. My God is with me. You might feel like he's far away, but he's right there with you in your circumstance. Like David, you might feel right now, whatever you're going through in your world, like you feel like death is covering you or coming close to you. You feel like there's no hope. There's no way it's going to get better. There's no way things are going to be exciting again or interesting again or life-changing again. It feels like this is the end. It feels like it's just closing in. My world is just getting smaller and I'm going into depression. I'm going into pain. I'm going into insecurity. I'm going through all these things. You're experiencing the same thing David did. And so when he's speaking from this place of experience, he's telling us, yes, I know what it feels like to be in this place of darkness and and pain and insecurity and depression. But God is still there with you in it and he's going to lead you through it. You see, ultimately, life, our life is a journey. We might not perceive it that way, but we are born, we live. If you know Jesus, you get to be with Him. But life is just a journey. Every day is a journey. And hopefully experience new things and learn from it. But ultimately, let me tell you this, ultimately the choices we make determine the quality and success of our life. The choices we make determine the quality and success of our life. What you choose in the transition is going to build you or break you. What you choose in the painful areas, in the painful seasons of your life is going to build you or break you. All of us have made choices. What choices have you been most proud of? And what choices do you regret making? We all have those, don't we? Places of regret, areas of regret in our life where we wish we didn't make that choice or didn't do this and didn't do that. From experience, I've made a lot of bad choices that I regret. And like sometimes, like you and I, we have to learn to live with regrets. But here's a choice you don't have to regret. When you go through the transition, learn to lean on God. Learn to go into the turn with him, driving it, because he'll take you through it. What happens in life when you feel like you're supposed to win, but you're losing? What happens in life when you feel like God is for you, God said he's there for you, but things are just not working out the way you think they should? 
Well, David tells us again. He continues this. After he spoke to the Lord and says, Lord, help me. He says, he reached down from his high on high and took a hold of me. In verse 16. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my most powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He is your support. He is your strong tower. He is the one that you can rely on no matter what the circumstances seem like and look like. And then I love this because this is what the title of the message is. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Did you know that the Lord delights in you? You might not see anything good in yourself, but the Lord delights in you. He has pleasure in you. When he looks at you, he smiles. He enjoys thinking about you. He enjoys planning things for you. As he says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think about you. They're thoughts to give you success and a future. Did you know that God is thinking about you? Did you know that God is planning for you? Did you know that God has organized a way out of your problems for you? He's not absent from your life. He's present. He loves you. And He's leading you to good ground. You know, another version says, He's leading me to a large place, a spacious place, a place of safety and security. He has rescued me because He delights in you. He rescues us because He delights in us. He leads us to a large place, a good place. You know, as a church, we are planning to move from this building to a larger building. And God has prepared that. There's so many ways I can talk to you about testimonies that God has provided things that I could not foresee. But God has moved us and encroached us and, and made a way for us to move into a large space, into good ground, into ground that He has prepared for us. And so often when we look into our lives, we think God is absent, but God is preparing our hearts and our lives so we can be planted in good ground. What we forget about is that God prepares the ground before He plants the seeds. And sometimes we're thinking, God, where are you? But He's preparing the ground before He plants the seed. Because if He plants the seed on hard ground, the ground, the plant won't flourish. So you're sitting there, God, what's going on in my life? And God's like, I'm preparing good ground. So when you're planted, you're going to be able to flourish because I want to see you succeed, because I delight in you. I delight in you. So hold on and trust the driver when you go through the turn. Hold on and trust God because He delights in you. Hold on and believe that He has a great future for you because He tells you that He has it. The transition is not the journey. The transition is just the transition. And yes, transitions are hard and difficult. When we go through problems, when we lose things, it feels like somehow things are being taken out of our life. But God is not taking things out of our life. He's preparing you for greater things. He's preparing you for a greater future. 
See, sometimes we look at other people and we compare ourselves, right? We compare ourselves to other people like, how come that person is doing good in their life, God, and what's happening to my life? We do that. But see, all of us are different places in our journey. Some of us might be just going into the turn, and some of us might be coming out of it. And some of us are right in the middle when it feels like we're just about to fall right over. Don't compare yourself to what other people are on their journey. All of us are on a journey. We might just be at different parts. There'll be ups, there'll be downs. And like any good story, there's always twists and turns. But the hero always wins. And you're the hero in your story. Because God looks at you and delights in you. And he plans for you. Isn't that a great thing to know? So often we kind of want to rush into our destination. Like that person I talked about who wants to get there as fast as possible. I'm going to slam my foot on this accelerator. And I'm going to go as fast as I can to get to my destination. Oftentimes when I'm driving, Chanel says to me, Did you see that and did you see this? Well, I, I, I'm driving. I'm looking right here. <laughs> I don't see anything else. But sometimes we can stop and pull over and we can enjoy the journey because we enjoy the sights and appreciate what's happening around us. And we enjoy the journey just as much as we enjoy the destination. You decide what kind of journey you want in this world. You just want to stamp, or stamp that accelerator and get there as fast as possible? Or do you want to enjoy God's blessing and sights and things He puts into your life? What do you want from your world? And yes, there's even joy in the pain. Because sometimes there is great pain, but there's great joy from that. So as human beings, we're never truly present. We're not. Because wherever we are, we're thinking about where we should be. <laughs> when you're at church, you're thinking right now, well, I need to do this at home, I need to do that, I need to do that. That's where you're thinking. You're thinking about where you need to go. When you're at work, you're thinking about how to get home. When you're at home, you're thinking about how to get to work. When you're at, you know, sitting in front of the TV, watching TV, you're thinking about what I need to have for dinner. You're always thinking of where you should be and never where you are. We always do that as human beings. We think about where we should be. And we're never truly present where we are. And so we never get to enjoy the moment because our mind is always somewhere else. Like right now, you're probably thinking, when is this guy going to finish? Right? I'm almost done. <laughs> well, what am I going to have for lunch? We're not present. And we miss so much of the scenery and what goes around us and enjoying the moment when we're not present. And sometimes we want to extract us because it's painful. It's painful to be in a moment where there's a lot of stress. But God does not remove us quickly from stress. Have you noticed that? If you look into the scriptures and you find people went through a lot of drama, but God doesn't remove them quickly. You know why? Because pain can take you to a place 
that joy cannot. Pain can take you closer to Him and make you more dependent on Him and more relying on Him than joy can. Pain takes you closer. Pain makes you learn how to lean. So you know, and that's why David can say, He is my strength, my rock, my deliverer. Because I went through the pain of death. I went through the heartache of rejection. I went through the loneliness of being alone and not knowing anyone cared and loved me. I went through all of these things. But yet still, God is my rock and my deliverer. And He has taken me to a spacious place. If you read the precursor of the psalm, it actually tells you, when David wrote the psalm. And it says this. It was written after God gave him the victory over Saul. You know, if you have a version of that, do you see it? He sang, the, sang to the Lord the words of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And that's why he starts with, I love my Lord. This is a song that David wrote after he went through the the pain, the transition, and the turn. And he speaks from this place of experience, looking back into his life, saying, that's where I was, that's what I went through, and this is where I stand now as king that God told me who I'm going to be. That journey was difficult, but God led me through. I am the man that I am today with the strength and conviction and faith because I went through the valley. And so he says, I'm confident in this. I'm confident. Don't despise the journey because God is leading you to good ground. Amen? God is leading you to good ground. For you, your family, for us as a church, God is taking us to a place that's going to be amazing. And you look back and say, that was difficult, that was hard, but I'm so thankful that I'm standing here now because I experience and enjoy what God has provided me more because of the pain and the heartache I went through. And yes, not it was not good. Yes, it was not pleasurable. No, it was not something I ever want to go through again. But... I got to where I am because God has prepared me for good ground. So as always, I want to leave you with two questions and then we'll pray. Question number one, and I hope you actually do this because it's going to benefit you. Question number one is this. Read Psalm 18 when you get a chance and ask yourself, do you feel like you're on certain ground in your world. Are you, wherever you are in your world, are you going through some stress, some pain, some pressure? Does it feel like you're right in the turn? You're about to fall off? Where are you in your world? Do you feel like you're struggling with life, your job? Do you feel like you're in transition somewhere? A place that's unsteady, there's uncertainty there, what's going on, I'm not sure what's happening. How can you lean into God rather than push against it? How do you lean into the turn rather than try to straighten yourself up?
How do you lean into God and let Him drive you through the churn? Then try to figure out a way for it yourself. Read Psalm 18. David will illustrate. There's lots more stuff that he wrote that I don't have time to talk about today, but it's great. And number two, what advice would David give you when you feel like you're overwhelmed and sinking? And what are you going to do about it? So this week, read Psalm 18. It's a great song of praise and victory, but David does not damper or put a light on his pain and suffering through it. He exposes it for all to see. And we get the experience of David as he went through his pain and his trial that we can learn from David. And he speaks to us out of that and tells us this. So what advice would David give you? And you just have to read Psalm 18 and let David speak to you and you feel like you're overwhelmed and sinking. And then ask yourself a question. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to stay there and say, well, I guess this is it? Or are you going to lean into God and say, God, calling on you like David did? Remember, God wants to plant you in good ground. Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.